Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. We're in our fall series called Live Well. As we look at biblical principles together, this series will help equip you to live well through the challenges we all face in life. I want to welcome you to this new series entitled Live Well. I'm very excited about it because of the fact that it's going to meet us on a personal level in the area that we care about, and that's our lives. And I believe in this series you're going to see that God is not some disconnected, far-off religious theory or just some concept, but he's a personal God and he wants to meet us in our everyday lives. He designed us, he created us, and so he wants to speak to every aspect of our lives and it goes so much better with him. I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles this first week as we're getting started. This is an introduction week to turn with me to the book of John in the New Testament, John chapter 10. We're gonna begin in a moment in verse seven. I wanna welcome those that are maybe watching online, maybe watching this message later, and all of you that are at 12.30 that are making room and making space. We have an entirely full auditorium today, and we are making space as well. For those of you that are guests, uh, we're in a process to expand our auditorium, and we're working on parking, so uh, we, we feel you, okay? We feel you, all right? So we're gonna make a little more room, but it's, it's so awesome. I woke up this morning, and I thought about that verse that I learned as a kid. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of our God, amen? So it's a great day to be in the house of God and what a great day when we get to see all of these baptisms. Some of you are like, why do you guys clap so much at that? Well, Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus said that he would leave the 99 to find the one that was lost and that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 church folks hanging out eating potluck. Come on now. (laughs) He said, I care about that one. Jesus said to go and make disciples of all the nations and to baptize them just like we did in this water tank just a minute ago in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's always awesome when you're not just reading the Bible, but you're living the Bible, it's living right in front of you. And so we never wanna take it for granted that as we lift up Jesus, he draws people to himself and we feel honored to be a part of it. So can we give one more round of applause for all of these baptisms this weekend? We celebrate it, we celebrate with all of you. I've met so many family and friends and you're so excited and we're excited with you because it's an eternal decision and God is doing amazing things. I wanna tell you a story. Our team, myself, we got together and we worked on a story to help you as we get started this week and to help you understand a concept that is somewhat far away from us in the way we live our everyday lives, but is very central to scripture. And so I wanna say thank you to our team and Pastor Jed who helps me and Haley who actually is the one who helped me on our team, works within our next gen team, she helped me with the illustrations. A long time ago in the rugged, arid world of the Middle East, there lived a strong and courageous shepherd. The only thing he loved more than his sheep was his boy, who would follow in his shadow, carefully watching every move his father made. Each day the shepherd would guide the flock through the sand and rocks of the desert in search of a small field of grass and streams of water. Unlike the other animals in the field, sheep are dependent upon others to provide food and water as well as shelter and care. The shepherd was careful to explain to the boy how to watch over the sheep. He needed his son to know how very valuable they were 
from the oldest ewe to the youngest lamb, primarily for their precious supply of wool, but each part of the sheep offered a benefit to the shepherd. The boy was reluctant and afraid. The job seemed too much for him, especially when his father would warn him of the constant threat of wolves who were never far away. When the wolves attacked, the only hope of survival for the sheep was the courage of the shepherd. Over time, the boy became a young man. He learned to love the sheep just like his father. The sheep were gentle and smart and yet constantly afraid. When one of them got scared, they'd all panic. Because the sheep needed his care, his heart was drawn to them. But when he scanned the horizon for any signs of wolves, he couldn't help but wonder if he loved them enough to lay down his life for them. One dusk evening, the young shepherd led the sheep into their pen as he'd done countless nights before. He guided every one of them under the enclosure before lying down to sleep in front of them. If the wolves came, they'd have to get through him. Little did he know they were already on their way. The shepherd awoke to the rustling of the wind. The evening fire was still flickering, but as he looked past the embers, he could see three pairs of eyes peering back at him. His father's training, though, had prepared him for this moment. He set aside his fear, and he grabbed his staff. His first blow struck the lead wolf on his nose, sending it back with a howl. He lunged at the second attacker, knocking it off its feet and away from the sheep. Quickly and decisively, he, re he repelled each of their attacks until they scampered off with a whimper. The danger was gone. More than relief, the young shepherd felt a rush of joy as the unmistakable sense this was more than the family business came to him. This was the life he'd been created for. And with this understanding, the legacy of the shepherd was complete. We all love a good story. And you say, why do you tell us this story? because the Bible gives us this theme, but many times it feels far away from us. So as we talk about this theme, I wanted you to feel it a little bit, think about it a little bit, and in this series, we're gonna talk about life. And here's this story that we see, obviously the characters, a shepherd who empowers his son, and his son lays down his life, and his son protects the sheep from the wolves, and then there's the sheep. And that's what we see as a metaphor in the Bible for us. And a lot of times we have trouble relating to that metaphor and we kind of think, man, I'm not really a sheep. I'm smarter than that. Actually, they're actually pretty smart. And if you actually look up sort of a, a understanding, if you just were to kind of Google sheep and the science of sheep, you might be humored by their characteristics. They like routine. Don't throw anything new at them because they will somehow react to something new. Come on. They, there's all these things. They, they tend to wander away from the shepherd, though they need the shepherd. And there's all these ideas about sheep that you might just look at and think, man, we're a lot more like them than we realize. But as we think about moving into this series, there's also something in this story that pertains to all of us as we are the sheep in need of a shepherd. And that is when you think about life, we have needs. We have needs for protection. We tend to find ourselves afraid. We tend to, in life, find ourselves in need of some direction to find the supply that we're looking for, the water. The, and in, in this story, in fact, that the people listening to it from Jesus, as we're gonna look at another shepherd's story in a minute, the one I told you to turn to, 
Those people would have even thought about Psalm 23, where the Bible tells us one of the famous passages that the good shepherd leads us beside the quiet waters. He restores our souls. He prepares a table for us and we live in the presence of our enemies and surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. But for many of us, if we're really honest, the life that we were created to live, the life we were designed to live, and we're gonna look at multiple areas of life in a practical sense throughout this series, we're gonna see that God knows the answers to the age-old questions of life, the meaning of life, the problems of life, but what we find is a lot of times that life that is out there in front of us, many times we need some help understanding how to be directed towards it. So we see the story of the shepherd. I know in our worlds today, we, we like to pump ourselves up and a lot of times feel like we're headed toward that kind of life, you know? My daughter has Pinterest. I was looking on Pinterest the other day. It's kind of a lot of little creative knickknack things. I don't have Pinterest, she has Pinterest. But I noticed on Pinterest is where a lot of people pull these phrases that they put in their house, that they put by their bedside, you know? It's like, you know, go conquer the day, you know? Go do something awesome today. Life is tough, but so are you. Come on now. Wake up and be awesome. Live more, worry less. I love the ones that are like, go be epic. As if every day is epic. So what are, what are we doing? We're, we're trying to get up out of bed with all our anxieties and fears and problems and we're trying to just kind of encourage ourselves. nothing wrong with it. We're trying to encourage ourselves that man, something awesome's gonna happen today and, and I don't feel awesome, but, but you're awesome, you're epic. And so we're looking for this life, it's out there. We're looking for it and here's what I found. We're not great. This is why in this series, we're gonna need this understanding of the shepherd. We're gonna need the understanding of where do we find the source. We're not great at assessing ourselves. We're not good at defining what we need. We find ourselves a little inadequate to do that, just in everyday life. I noticed the other day, I walked into 101. That's the first step in our growth track. We have it coming up this, this, ne this, this next month. I encourage you to be a part of it. I walked in, it was a full house. I looked around the room and sorry, this is just my brain. I should be thinking about what I'm gonna speak on and I noticed there's a lot of bald heads in here. Like bald people are joining our church. Man. And that's, that's because you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. Come on, all the bald men in the house and maybe watching online or at 12, come on, raise your hand if you're bald, give me a shout. I'm telling you, there's a lot of bald people in this church, man. You might wanna change churches if you have a full head of hair, your hair would just fall out, just bam, like that. My wife told me when I was 33 years old, she said, you have a come over. I said, get behind me in Jesus' name. I don't receive that. I don't receive that. I jumped in the swimming pool at a party, got out, I had one long strand hanging down like this. I didn't have a come over, I had a wraparound. Let me just, just as your pastor, if you got a wrap around, we can tell you're wrapping it around. You think it looks, and you can't put enough hairspray on it. You're wrapping it around. I learned that, okay? And so my wife told me, and so what I realized is, look, we need a little help sometimes. We look in the mirror, but we don't assess well. 
I was at a party just Friday night with some friends and people in the church and I'm standing there and there was this cool little chocolate dessert dish and I was eating it and then I started giving a point. You know, I don't know what I was talking about, but it had to be powerful, you know? I mean, we're there and there's a few people standing around and we're talking about the problems of our world and I'm giving a point and one of the guys just hands me a napkin. I'm thinking, what's this for? He goes, it's a good point, but you got chocolate coming down. You know, like, oh, praise, praise. But anyway, what I was saying, praise God. You ever had chocolate running down and something in your teeth, you know what I'm saying, a wraparound? You got it. And that's why we need something outside of us to help us with the problems of life. As I prayed this summer and I got ready for this series, I want you to know as a pastor who works with people, here's something I've learned throughout the years and I'm concerned about it today. With more availability to resources, with better medicine, with more information, with more things than we've ever had in any generation on the planet, we're not managing life well. We're not managing it well. And there's a better way. There's an opportunity available. For many of us, we know that we want this better version of life. We want it. We all know because inside of us, the Bible says eternity is established in our hearts. We're created in the image of God. So there is this desire for life that comes to us. We want it. We know there's more than what we're experiencing. We don't have it yet. We seem like, man, it's like I don't have it yet. And it's almost elusive sometimes. So I'm I'm trying to obtain that next career goal. I'm trying to get to that next financial place in life. I'm trying to accomplish that goal in my family or my marriage. And so I'm trying to get out there to it. And I know if I kind of get to it, then I'll have it. But it seems to keep eluding us. And so we're after it. There's a term sociologists use. You may have heard it, existential angst. You're like, what does that big word mean? Well, existential means, again, there's this, this idea that there's something out there, there's, there's something that I haven't apprehended, but I have this angst. And it's not because we are having problems or circumstances. I wanna be very clear. Some of you are like, like is this like a self-help series? No, this is a Jesus help series, okay? So, so it's not this idea that live well means we just go, hey, praise the Lord, I'm living well. I don't have any problems. The Bible's clear to us that we have tribulations and challenges and problems. It's not that we don't have problems, but there's this idea that's not just tied to circumstances, existential angst, worry and anxiety, which is at an all-time high in our culture today. Worry and anxiety directly related to your overall existence instead of even circumstances. Here's the final thing. We look in the wrong places. We look in the wrong places because we're looking for life. We keep checking off the bucket list items. We keep conquering. We keep going out and doing something epic. But we're looking in the wrong places. So long term, they lose, those things lose their ability to feed us at the deepest level. So we're not living the true life, the life that's sustainable, the life that's, that is a source in the good and the bad, the life we were created to live. And so I wanna tell you another shepherd's story. I wanna show you a story from the Bible, from the words of Jesus. In John 10 here, Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees who are not having the best interest of the sheep. That's so amazing about Jesus. He didn't come to bring a religion. He didn't come to put you under some system. 
He came to bring us life. He has our welfare and our concern at his highest priority. The Pharisees, they had an agenda. They had a totally different philosophy. So Jesus is having this interaction with them and he's contrasting these leaders and he's contrasting himself. And so he says this, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Now some of you are like, wait a minute, are they in a physical pen? Well, most of the time this is a desert region where they're nomadic. But what would happen is for protection for the sheep, there may be like some kind of structure here that could protect the sheep on this side and the shepherd would literally lay down in front of the sheep as a protective measure so that the sheep could be protected. So Jesus is saying, to get to this, you have to come through me. He's using a, a picture that for us is hard to understand, but, but it's very, very powerful. He says this, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. You have to come through me. Jesus made these definitive statements. In a world today thinks that there's many gates, many roads, that's okay for you to believe that, but you can't believe in Jesus and believe that. Because Jesus says, I am the gate. You come through me and you will be saved. It says, then they will go in, they will go in, they will go out, and they will find pasture. I have a source for them. I have a, a source, a sustenance that comes to them. And then the thief, look at this, the thief comes only. Everybody say only. Only. Now, he doesn't come in a red jumpsuit with a pitchfork, okay? He's subtle. He comes, though, with one intention, for you not to live well. Temporarily, it may look like, man, this is really feeding me. This is really a source for me, but we know it's short-lived because on the backside is death. What does he only come to do? The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You may have seen stuff around your life dying, and the reason is that's the enemy's strategy and plan. He comes in a deceptive measure to destroy things around your life. But Jesus, this is always good to know because a lot of people don't think this about Jesus. You know, they're thinking, man, this is like we're all the, you know, boring people who have nothing else to do, who, who have no real power. That's where they hang out. God is like just some mad, angry person up there who's very disconnected from us. Here's Jesus who represents and is God coming to tell us what he's like. He says, I have come that they may have life. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says that I've come for a reason. Again, not that you won't have problems. He says in other places you will have tribulations. But he says this, I've come to bring you more. We're hungry for more. You know where more is found? The most is found in Jesus. Jesus says, I came to bring you the fullness of life that you're looking for and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's available. There's a life available. There's a life available, but just because it's available doesn't mean that you are experiencing it. There's a better version of life available, but everyone's not necessarily experiencing it. Now, we've been thinking a little bit about us and who we are, but can I just illustrate this to you in another way for a second too, okay? And that is, People that know about this kind of life are different. People that have, I, I say a lot of times, I say, that person has life on them. Life-giving people are the kind of people you wanna be around. 
Not circumstantially filled with joy, but people that just have this eternal supply. And I'm not just talking about optimism. They have a supply of life that comes out of them. It's kind of like if you're single and someone says, hey, I want to introduce you to so-and-so. You're going to creep them on Instagram a little bit. You know what I'm saying? See if they're weird. You know, see if they're life-giving. Come on now. Y'all quit looking so religious at me, okay? Because I got more. Somebody says, hey, let's go out with these people. My wife, you know, she'd be like, I'm just be transparent. Hey, let's, let's, go, let's go out to dinner with them. I'm like, what are they like? You know, are we talking about a 30-minute formal meeting or do we have to spend two or three hours? Why y'all looking so, I mean, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about the other services, okay? I'm talking about <laughs> other people, right? Not y'all. Y'all are all powerful people. You know what I'm saying? But think about it this way, right? There's a lot of difference in going to dinner with somebody, hanging out with somebody. Here, here's a big one. Are you ready? Go on vacation with somebody. One guy told me after one of the services, said, we went on vacation with my neighbors. And I said, wait, wait, don't tell me. You're not friends anymore. He goes, yeah, pastor, that's what happened. <laughs> because you go live with somebody for a little while, you better hope they're life-giving. Life-giving people. What does that mean? Is that like personality? What does that mean? You might not think about this in relationship to me. You think, man, I'm a pastor, so I preach, I teach. But for 20 plus years too, one of the things I do is I've hired people, staff. Now I've learned this. What's on the resume is not as big a concern to me as many times I can look in their eyes. I can get around them for a little while and you can tell people that have life. You know what you want on your team? Life-giving people. Not Debbie Downer. Blah, 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 blah. Less, critical, less. You want life-giving people. I mean, I'm gonna just tell you, practically speaking, you wanna be promoted, you wanna have a good home, make it a life-giving home. You wanna have a good marriage? Not that you don't ever have problems, make it a life-giving marriage. You wanna have good friendships? Make it a life-giving. But you're like, I want all that, pastor. I don't know where to get it. That's what we're gonna talk about in this series. Where do you get it? How do you obtain it? Well, here's how. How do we receive the life Jesus came to bring us? Number one, we know abundant life only comes from Jesus. Now, I know some of you are new to church, you're coming, you expect, right? The pastor's gonna get up there, he's gonna read out of the Bible, and he's gonna tell us Jesus. Because that's like the church answer, Jesus. We need to have Jesus. What does that mean? In fact, so many of us, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like we hear about Jesus and we've got a world maybe that you may come in contact with people who use the name Jesus. And so it can almost become like a term, cognitive dissonance, which means you hear the term or the name so much that you think you're actually connected to it because you've heard it so much. But that's not necessarily the case, right? It can get drowned out by just hearing about it. It's like my wife and I now, we, we were talking this week, we're like, are we getting old? We, we have coffee, right? We sit, we reflect. We reflect, we're reflective. I mean, we, we didn't have time to reflect. And you know what I'm saying? We had kids and now two's moved out and I got my two daughters, you know, and they don't have their brother there to aggravate. Some of y'all have young families. I've been there. I have grace for you, you know? I have grace because you're, the, the volume level of your home, you don't have, you can't reflect. but you think it's normal. You do. If you go to a family that's got a bunch of young kids, you sit down, you know, and you're kind of like, can we quieten them down? Y'all think it's normal. You just talk louder. Yeah, and anyway, get that, and whatever, you know. Ah! That's how you live. Because you just tune it out. 
My house is getting calmer, reflective. What am I talking about? Sometimes the noise of the information of Jesus can be circling around you so much that you actually think you've really submitted to him. But until you submit your life to Jesus, you won't have life. Because the Bible says we are dead in trespasses and sins. You don't have to feel dead on the inside. You don't have to understand any of those things because you are that on the inside and things around you, you don't have to try to kill. They just end up dying because that's how we're born. That's how we're made until Jesus. First John 5, 12 says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever has Jesus has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I'm gonna ask you right here, I very rarely do this, but I believe it's so important because I wanna talk to you. I'm passionate about talking to you about multiple areas of your life. I'll talk about it in a minute. But we don't wanna start this journey together over the next few weeks thinking that we're just gonna kinda add a little bit of this and a little bit of that and some new ideas and some new wisdom. I wanna make sure you have the source. We've watched this weekend people coming, what they've done is said, you know what, I'm exchanging death, thief, steal, kill, destroy for Jesus who comes that might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm asking you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. Because I believe there's some of you, God's been setting up to this moment and you're like, I wanna live the life God's created for me. Maybe you've had a friend or somebody talking to you or some, some way Jesus has kinda had your number a little bit and today's just a moment where in this moment you can just do what Jay did. Isn't that powerful what happened with Jay? He raised his hand, just said yes to Jesus, accepted him, and did you hear this? All of those burdens and pain and the way he identified himself and his vision for his life, it changed in that moment. I want you to know that is very common. You will experience more of Jesus' life, but know this for some of you. There's a life that comes to you in an instant when you surrender to Jesus. And I believe some of you in your own words, you're like, Pastor, what do I do? You can just simply say, Jesus, here I am. You know me. You know the mistakes I've made. You know the stuff that I've never told anyone else that I've done. You know me inside and out. And so Jesus, I come to you like I am. And I thank you that you died for me on the cross. You, you took my sin. And I thank you that you're alive today, Jesus. You rose from the dead. Just your own words, Jesus, you're alive. And I want you to become my personal Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and life and save me. In Jesus' name, I'm asking you to keep your heads bowed, but just so I know, maybe at 1230, maybe even online, but in this room, some of you might say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you. Would you just let me know? I'm not gonna embarrass you, but would you slip your hand up just to let me know? Slip it up and say, I prayed that prayer in a minute. Keep it up so I can see it. Hands all around this room. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do me a personal favor. The communication card that we talked about, it's in the seat back. I'm gonna ask you to fill that out and put it in the offering container because I have a book called Closer, some resources I wanna send you. I wanna give you a next step to take because the Bible says you're now born again. You're his child and you have steps to take and that's what the church does. We're a family that helps the new babies take new steps and so we wanna help you do that but we can't do it unless you give us the information, all right? All right, everybody look up here. Isn't it amazing what God's doing in our midst? People in this room even accepting Christ. We, we celebrate you, all of you that accepted Christ. We celebrate you, we're excited. 
And our prayer is that you would take next spiritual steps. And there was a lot of hands in this room and have been in every service this weekend. I wanna share with you where we're going though. Here's some steps we can all take the next few weeks. Number two, we're not surprised when challenges try to steal from life for us. We're gonna have challenges. And I understand there's areas where we have specific challenges and this whole series is gonna be geared toward helping you with specific areas of life. Next weekend is Next Gen Weekend. You don't wanna miss it. You're gonna be blown away with what God's doing. And then the next weekend, we're gonna start eight weeks where we are going to talk through areas of our everyday life that the Bible speaks to, that Jesus speaks to, that Jesus brings life to. One of the first ones, we're gonna start with changes, transitions, and how those things work in our life. How do we navigate a ever-changing world, and how does Jesus help us? Always love to just ask sometimes, what, what are you dealing with? As a, as a person who works with people, what are you dealing with? Not too long ago, I just sent out a deal. Hey, tell me some things that you want me to talk about, an area that I could help you. Always, that leads the list, stress. Leading the list, physicians in our church, people come in. There's not even a way to diagnose what's going on because there's nothing medically that they can put their finger on. It's stress. The way we're living life. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you're gonna live well, you're gonna have, I'm not saying we could ever remove stress. Not all stress is bad stress, but how do we live in a flow with Jesus that's different? Now, some of you are like, are you qualified to talk about that? Because aren't you like a priest or something? Don't you just like read books and sit in a monastery somewhere? Yeah, that's me. I don't have any problems. I mean, I just wake up and say, hello, brother. Nice to see you today, Brandy. Angels come in my room. They carry me throughout my day. There's no problems. There's nothing. There's nothing. I mean, it just, it, I actually don't even walk a lot of times. I mean, they just, they just kind of, I just, just kind of, just kind of hover around life. Now, I'm living the same life you are, but I want to tell you, in our world today, we need to live it different. We need to live it different. So we're gonna talk about stress. We're gonna talk about relationships. We're gonna talk about finances. We're gonna talk about how to have those life-giving places in our lives. And I wanna ask you, I know you're busy. I know football's starting. I know we have hopes for the Cowboys, well, whatever. We'll pray for them that they can live well. I know all that's going on. But I'm gonna tell you, I feel like as a pastor sometimes, I'm the voice crying in the wilderness. What you want is to live well, but you're looking in so many other places. Nothing wrong with enjoying life. But I'm gonna ask you to prioritize these messages in time so we can talk about what really matters in your life. Here's the third thing. We find this life together, not alone. See, sheep, one of the other characteristics, they feel safe, more safe, as they gather together. Say, why is that important? Remember, we have the chocolate on our face, we have this. We do better when we're gonna study life and think about life. We do better and we grow more and we learn more about ourselves in the context of what we call spiritual family. And the reason we do small groups, people say, why do you do small groups? What is that? Is that some kind of, you know, some kind of breakdown strategy? No, Jesus had a small group. Jesus lived that way. The early church lived that way. We see the model in the New Testament all the way through the one another's, let us, the Bible says a lot. So we see it as a biblical pattern. And I know in my own life, it, you experience it differently and it helps you grow. And, and I know a lot of people today, there's a, there's a need. It's like, I wanna learn the Bible. Well, you, you should read the Bible and 
You, you, should, you should grow in it. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you individually, but historically, the church, and when you read the Bible, one of the primary mechanisms from which we grow in these truths of Jesus to learn about life is we learn better in spiritual family and in relationships. We just do. That's just how God made us, okay? And we don't assess ourselves, remember, very well. It's like the phrase, physician, heal thyself. Doctors are not recommended to treat themselves because if they look at it, they lose objectivity and they're not able to do it. So, so you need others, you need these relationships along the way, and I'm gonna tell you how you can do that as we start this journey together. I had a couple of cool things this week. I hope as I share this, you don't think I'm trying to paint some exclusive picture or some people be like, okay, how does that work? Um, I just... I try to show you that I need what I'm telling you. I need what I'm talking about. That's why I tell you these stories from my personal life because when I start getting ready to preach on the week, I think, well, the best illustration is something you're living now. And when I think about life, here this week, there's a lot of things happened in my life. But I had a couple of moments that are just, they're special, they, they reinforce what matters in my life, right? And um, one of them was we had a birthday party for Brianna Guerra. Pastor Eddie's the one that helps and his team help you get seated in these services that are full. And Brianna turned 40. We actually had an interest meeting for our new Hazlitt campus last weekend. There was like 170 people in there that were in the interest meeting. And, and uh, Brianna walked in and I started telling the story of Milestone and I said, and my wife was in there and I said, and, and Brianna, and she's turning 40 to, today and no one told me it was a surprise party. So I said, and we're having a party tonight. My wife goes, you can't say that. I was like, what, I, 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 you know, female age? Was it like, I can't tell people she's 40? She's like, it's a surprise. Well, it's not a surprise anymore. Y'all wanna come? Everybody come on, you know? Brianna is a college student. I met her. She was the first person to move to Keller, Texas to start Milestone Church. She moved here first person. And we sat to celebrate her 40th birthday with a lot of us that have been together and watched her. And now she has children of her own. And at her 40th birthday, her husband honored her. And I, we had a moment where we prayed for her. Her children honored her. Her children said, Mom, we, you, have let, you have led us, you've walked with Christ, been an example. And I was just sitting there looking at that. Her friends, you know, Brianna, you've been a friend to me. You've walked with me. All these people, just people growing in the Lord. You know, we can't preach about spiritual family if we don't live it ourselves. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to tell you, you go, Pastor, why is that meaningful to you? Because I get in a setting like that and I go, man, we prioritize the wrong things in life. Because what we care about is that. That's what we care about. Had a moment Friday night with one of our staff members' daughter turning 13 and we prayed over her and spoke life into her and her grandparents were there. Her four grandparents were there. Some of them were saved by the influence of this church. All four of them first generation Christians in their family. And I watched her grandparents speak over her. See, when, when someone makes a decision to follow Jesus, it changes generations. So I said in those settings, just a little window into my week, translate that however, to live well, you have to prioritize right. To live well, you need to know 
even where the main priorities are. And in this series, we're gonna learn about that together. I'm gonna ask if you would to today, you say, I, I, wanna, I wanna learn how to live well. What do I do, pastor? Where do I go from here, okay? Well, I'm gonna ask you to get a guide and get in the group. Get a guide and get in the group. Right outside the comments here on the left-hand side, I realize there'll be a lot of people there. We obviously, Pastor Steve, will share with you, Chestnut, a little bit about our small groups portal, but we put these resources together to help you. If you wanna lead a group, I'm, I'm helped out with this to make sure we had a leader guide, and I actually were able to give our team some insights into where I'm going, why this is a priority, what we'll be talking about that week. We're gonna talk about stress and life and relationships. Did you know we're gonna talk one week about work? 80% of people are unfulfilled in their jobs and that's where you spend the majority of your time. So we gave you a little insight for a leader, like where we're going with that, gave you some promptings. So if you wanna lead a group, then we have a leader guide for you. If you're like, hey, I just wanna participate in a group, we have a participant guide that'll help you with some of the small groups along the way. And so we wanna help you get a guide, help you get in a group, I'm gonna ask you if you would to bow your head so we might start this journey by asking Jesus the good shepherd. You may not identify as a sheep, but you are a sheep in need of a shepherd. And the good news is we have a good shepherd. His name is Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you care about us, that you came to bring us life that you wanna protect us from the evil one, that you lead us to the places of provision, to the pastures, to the water that we need. I know we move away from you sometimes, Jesus, but help us. Help us with our distractions in life. Help us with our wrong priorities. Help us when we look in the wrong place. Help us as a church family over the next few weeks this fall Help us with the areas of our lives where we're not experiencing what you said there in John 10, 10. Jesus, we thank you that you told us you came that we may have life and have it to the full. And I pray for every single person listening to me that these next few weeks, they would experience that and it would radically change them to such a degree that they would continue to pursue you with all that they have in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.